Want to get the edge with your Premier League betting predictions? Pinnacle have teamed up with InfoGoal to delve deeper into the data for all the Premier League matches each game week. You combine betting market data with InfoGoal's performance data to try and find Pinnacle customers' value in the odds. This is EPL Insights. Welcome to Game Week 6 on EPL Insights with Pinnacle and supported by InfoGoal, Gareth Wheeler at Gareth Wheeler and the Wizard of Oz or Odds, Jake Osgathorpe with you for another week of Premier League Reflection as well as Projection. Uh, we skipped over Game Week 5 with the, all the midweek fixtures. In fact, we're recording this podcast Thursday midday, so we're still not aware of what happened between Leicester City and United, but we're going to venture our best look forward as to what may happen this weekend. And the transfer window is confusing us all, Jake. Uh, it slams shut uh, later on tonight, 11 p.m. Uh, your time, not mine. Uh, and the good news is so far, neither of us have been sent out on loan. So at least that's decent news. Yeah, I, I like the term uh, slam shut. It's never closed gently. It's always slammed. Oh. Um, you got to get that emphasis in there. Yeah, there's, there's some interesting moves. Um, well, I say interesting moves. There aren't really any interesting moves, are there? I mean, Leander Dendonka moving from uh, Wolves to Villa doesn't really get you excited. Um, Aubameyang returning to Chelsea is going to be interesting. He's obviously worked with Tuchel before uh, at Dortmund and had quite a lot of success there. But yeah, I'm, I'm waiting to see someone get busy. Yeah, Liverpool, we know they're looking for a midfielder. Um, they've got Arthur Mellows, I mean, a medical. Needs extra body in there. City look fairly set, don't they? I know they've, they've brought in a Kanji as an extra bit of cover and defence. Um, but yeah, I, I, do, you, do you reckon United have got any more up the sleeve? No, I don't, I don't think so. Done. Pretty good window for them, honestly, if you, if you can block out the noise. The reason why it slammed shut is the bank vault. ka Like, it's, slam, <laughs> it's literally slammed shut. I don't Just think the bank the vault will shut this year. Oh, There's too much money in there. My word, like a lot of average players or players with question marks tied to them just going for exceptional prices. So, and it would also slam shut is uh, the ability to throw out any player's name and link them to Manchester United. That slam shut as well. So you can't do that at least until December as we lead into January. So we'll see. And as of recording, Cristiano Ronaldo remains at United. So, um, you know, and that was one of the biggest, biggest storylines over the course of the summer months. Look, let's look back on game week five. We didn't have a chance to weigh in. Uh, something to look forward to, courtesy of Pinnacle and Info Goal. We have our UCL Champions League betting blueprint returning. Uh, I believe it's posted now. Uh, we'll be pushing that to the forefront next week as Champions League action gets underway. So that's where our attention was earlier in the week. But Premier League games um, were played over the course of the week and some significant upsets as well. Did you see either? of those results coming? Um, I guess it's probably the Chelsea result more than the Brighton result. Brighton have, have, have showed throughout their opening four matches that they're probably performing at a better level than what Chelsea are. I think Chelsea, we saw them lose heavily at Leeds, didn't we? They were really, really poor in that game. And then obviously against Leicester, uh, played with 10 men for the most part, but even with 10 men. They only had managed one shot before Conor Gallagher got sent off. So um, major question marks around Chelsea at the minute for me. So yeah, and we, we saw Southampton push Man United close, didn't we, at the weekend as well. They, they created some good chances. De Gea had to make a few good saves to, um, to keep the three points for United. So yeah, that, that was probably um, not or much less of a shock to me the, than the Brighton result because I, I thought Brighton with their away record, their away underlying numbers would, would go to Fulham and 
um, and, and get a win. And, and, you know, based on the expected goals figures, they were unfortunate not to do so. They racked up 2.03 XG to Fulham's 1.04. So in theory, you know, we're looking at the raw numbers there. This 2-1 result the other way would have been the fairest outcome. Right. Uh, Fulham were... Uh, plus 113 to go under 35.5 points to start the season, which would have put them right in the relegation zone. They've already picked up eight points from five matches and they've been active in the transfer window as well, continuing to add to Marco Silva's side. I mean, he said that they needed more. Mitrovic up top continues to do the job. Uh, Certainly a team that's providing and asking many more questions than we thought they would. Uh, Wolves continue to lack bite, which is a little bit ironic for a side named Wolves. A, a nil-nil draw with Bournemouth. The new bet manager bounce cannot apply when you draw a game, when you when you play to a goalless draw. Uh, West Ham and Spurs, uh, that came in at plus 270. And also worth mentioning, Arsenal, perfect from five games, 15 points. They were minus two, or they are two, minus 225 now for a futures play for a top four bet. Uh, back in July, they were plus 150. So if you liked Arsenal for a top four, um, uh, you know, odds are that they're going to finish in the top four based upon their, their early standing. Um, if, if there's a play for them not to finish in the top four, I'm kind of still leaning that way. I'm just, they, they need to show me a little bit more. They haven't, I, 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 you play what your schedule dictates. Last season, they started with an incredibly difficult schedule. Uh, the schedule makers have done them a favor here and their first real test will come this weekend against Manchester United. We'll talk about that game. Yeah, yeah, you're right. The the schedule's been very kind for Arsenal. Um, but I have to say, apart from the Crystal Palace win on the opening day, their their victories have been very comfortable and emphatic in the in, in the manner of the performance. Um, they've not been even against Aston Villa, the two one scoreline may look like it was a, a tight nip and tuck game, and they edged it. It was completely the opposite. They they should have won the game three four. Um, rather than just a, a one-goal margin because created chance after chance uh, and limited Villa really well. So the final XG total on that was 2.92 to 0.31. So just, just to highlight the, the level of dominance. Um, and yeah, I, I, I mean... I think the, the the price around Arsenal at the minute finishing the top four, I think it's fair. I, I wouldn't be backing it at that price. No, I would you say it was minus 255, something like that. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be backing it at the price, but I think it's a fair price. And and um, the reason I'm saying that is because Arsenal, they've improved on my preseason expectations slightly. I, I thought that they'd be in and around it again, uh, but Chelsea have fallen way below what I expected of them, um, which has opened the door effectively for Arsenal to, to nip in. I, I still think Spurs will finish in that top four. My biggest question mark now is Chelsea, because I think Liverpool will get motoring at some point soon. Um, and, and yeah, I, I can see it being a, a shootout between Arsenal and Chelsea. But if Manchester United beat Arsenal at the weekend and beat Leicester, you know they're only three points behind the Gunners after after six matches, and, and they have to come into play as well. I circled that on Pinnacle.com right now. Top four plays: United at plus two fifty. That caught my attention. I all I also know that they lost late, a little bit in controversial fashion based upon the time that was added. Cloppy time now. A Newcastle. <laughs> they, that was controversial. I, I thought I, I enjoyed it. Like you see it across Europe all the time. Teams start time wasting in added time. The referee just keeps adding on minutes. And that's exactly what you should do. But it's we need think, to see football. We need to see the ball in play. I'm with you, but it's inconsistent on how it's applied. Look, like it, it it's for the neutral, for someone that didn't have a play, if you were playing a draw bet in that game or, or Newcastle against the spread, that, that affected your play. And I thought Newcastle on the balance, w- without some key players in their side, played very well in that match and probably deserves something from it. Plus 850 
for Newcastle to finish top four, a team that's likely to continue to add in January as well. The side that's playing well under Eddie Howe. I don't know, just throwing it out there. There's those odds are a little bit long for me. Uh, one thing that's changed, and I, I don't know how anyone in the right mind can back Chelsea to win the Premier League. I mean, perhaps at the start of the season, but with all that change, it just never seemed probable. On August 8th, you could have had Chelsea to win the Premier League title at plus 1,300. Now it's at plus 2,500. And I'm not sure many will be touching that either. Too many question marks in this side, and it looks like they're playing in a completely different way. I always say no N'Golo Kante, no party, but that certainly is the case to start the season. Got another- Nice ring to it, that one. Yeah. Um, Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, I I agree. I'm, I'm I was I was optimistic of Chelsea finishing the top four again at the start of the season. I didn't have them anywhere near the title. Um, but it, you know, like like I've just said, my expectations for them have really dropped because not only have they <clears throat> had a poor start from a, a points perspective, but the performance has been really disappointing as well. And based on the preseason strength of schedule that, that um, Infogol calculated, Chelsea actually had the fifth easiest schedule to open the season out of any team in the Premier League. And, and they perform like that, which is um, is even more concerning because as that suggests, things will only get tougher for Chelsea in terms of uh, in terms of fixtures. So yeah, they're, they're facing an uphill battle right now to get into the top four. And, and there's every chance if Manchester United do get the victory at Leicester, um, that they'll obviously t- overtake Chelsea as well. Before you know it, they're right at the bottom of the big six in terms yeah. of the, the league at the early stage. Um, so yeah, concerns. Lacking a focal point. It looks like at the time of recording, they might get a bombing over the line. Um, he has history with Tuchel as well. They need some kind of number nine, some kind of player that can play in behind <laughs> the back that, that can maybe link up with Kai Havertz up top because certainly he has not been at his best. And I think Raheem Sterling's actually been okay, but the entire makeup of that side with so much change at the back, it just hasn't, looked right. Um, still plenty of time to turn it around, but for a, um, a league title play, especially with Champions League commitment, a little bit of a reach for me. Uh, so that's a little bit of a look back, but it's time to look ahead and you can find all of your odds and the best odds on market at pinnacle.com. Let's get down to it. Game week six and let's start the early game on Saturday, the Merseyside Derby. Why not bring it up already? A little bit of intrigue in this game for me is Everton played leads to a plucky. I, I, I wrote down that word for whatever reason. It was a plucky 1-1 draw. It really could have gone either way in fairness and another Anthony Gordon goal as well as he's looking the absolute the real deal. Everton hosts Liverpool aside, obviously that 98th minute winner by Carvalho gave them a 2-1 win over Newcastle. Uh, they came from a goal down as Alexander Isak opened up his Premier League account on his debut. And more importantly for Liverpool, they held Newcastle to just a 0.62 expected goals um, for the game. So th- that was a positive number for a team that has had some question marks defensively. Uh, for Everton, Townsend, Godfrey, Mina, Calvary, Lewin, DeCorey, and Holgate are all still out. Although Everton haven't lost in their last four games, and then both teams have scored in four of the last five games that the other team has played. Uh, for Liverpool, Thiago, the Ox, Kenyate, and Keita all remain out. Diego Jota is on the road to return. He is questionable 
could be able to play a role this weekend. And Darwin Nunez returns. Remember him. As long as he doesn't headbutt anyone, it'll be great to see him stay on the field. Uh, they've gone over the goal total in games they played, two and a half goals, six out of seven times. I mean, the first to concede, that is the story here. And first half loser in five of their last six games and both teams have scored just like Everton, Everton in four of their last five. Liverpool won both times that these two teams played last weekend, but Everton didn't lose a game to Liverpool in the three games before that. So what do you make of this? Everton 17th place, Liverpool look like they're so showing signs of looking like the Liverpool that we expected sitting fifth place in the table. What do you make of this Merseyside derby coming, uh, you know, on short rest at a really interesting time for both sides? Yeah, I, I think Liverpool will win the game. I don't think they're, they're, they're worth the bet at the line. Um, was it min- minus two? 43 for Liverpool win. I think that's a bit too short for me, given what we've seen from Liverpool, the, you know, the question marks we have around them defensively. Um, the same token, I don't think there's any value in back in Everton either, because they've got major question marks about them defensively. And, um, you know, just in general, on a player-to-player basis, they're nowhere near the level of Liverpool. So, um, yeah, I, I was drawn straight to the both teams to score market. You mentioned the trends there. Um, for both teams, four out of five Premier League games this season, this has landed. Um, we're getting minus 113. Um, and the big clincher for me <clears throat> is the fact that, you know, I, I think opening few podcasts, I was talking about Everton and particularly at home, they've been really, really low scoring. But what we've seen at the start of this season anyway is, is an upturn in their attacking process, which comes as a bit of a surprise given they've not played as an out-and-out number nine. Um, they've played more of a fluid front three, haven't they, with Gordon and McNeil and DeMar. Gray, but they are actually creating chances at a better rate than what they did last season under Lampard. So last season it was 1.08 expected goals for per game um, under Lampard. This season they're at 1.44. So we're seeing an, an increase of around, you know, just shy of 0.4 expected goals, which, you know, in rough terms equates to around one non penalty big chance per game that they're creating more. Um, than, than they were last season, which has to be seen as a positive as they welcome a, a Liverpool back line that has looked leaky. You know, you mentioned there the expected goal total against Newcastle was low, but they conceded a big chance, which is something that they've been doing regularly. Um, and it only needs one big chance to be conceded um, for, for the teams to score, ultimately, because they're, they're big chances for a reason. They've got a higher probability of being scored than pot shots from range. Um, and, you know, if Everton continues to do what they're doing in attack, I think they'll they'll cause a couple of issues for Liverpool. On the flip side, obviously Everton's defence, even though they brought in quite a few new bodies, has looked um, shaky full stop. 1.85 expected goals against per game through their opening five matches. Uh, and we know what Liverpool are capable of going forward. The, the addition of Nunes... Whether he starts or not, I, I don't think he will because Firmino's been playing great. Uh, and, you know, you can't really drop Salah. Diaz, I don't know. I don't think he'll rotate him either because he, he's been looking really sharp. Um, but, he, you know, he's he's one to watch off the bench for sure. If he comes on in the game's level, um, I would be looking at backing him to score just because he, he's had 106 minutes of Premier League football so far this season. That's it. And he's already racked up 2.3 expected goals, which is just a ridiculous amount. And it just shows that when he's on the pitch, he has a real nose for getting in the right positions um, to, to get on the end of good scoring chances. So, um, yeah, if he if he starts, then I would be looking at him scoring. If he comes off the bench, you'll probably get a bigger price and I still would be taking that. And, you know, if he can keep his head, which, you know, this is a Merseyside derby, it's going to be feisty. Everton players are going to have seen what he did in Crystal, against Crystal Palace, where all you had to do was just kick him a few times and, he, and, he, and he'd flip, flip off the handle. Um, yeah, if he can keep his head, I think he could have a say in, uh, in, in what happens in this match. Um, also, something to keep in mind, Liverpool has 
starts Champions League next week as well. Um, and I think that the fact that this is the early game on Saturday means that Nunez will probably start. Klopp needs to get him back in the side. You can save Firmino for midweek in the Champions League. Um, it's it's one of those trends, Liverpool conceding first, conceding early goals, losing first halves. I just don't think that that's something that's going to continue. I think that will be a focal point for Jurgen Klopp in the build-up to this match. He's aware of the numbers. He's aware of the statistics. He's aware of the talking points here. My play is Liverpool to win the first half, minus 105. It's, it's very simple to the point. Uh, just call this a little bit of a market correction game. Um, I'm not sure if they'll be able to hold on. Like I said, Ever, Everton, I give them credit. Like They're showing up now. Against Leeds United, that game could have gone either way. The XG was very similar both ways. Um, this is just about Liverpool going on, scoring first and winning the first half. I think it'll be tighter than advertised. I'm, I'm not willing to touch the spread at Everton plus 1.25. Liverpool's defensive play overall play hasn't been that convincing. They desperately need something more in the midfield. Even though Harvey Elliott is, you know, being a, being a, he's a great story for one, and he's played pretty well for, for two, but just the makeup, there's something missing in terms of the midfield balance right now. Um, and so... Yeah, I'm going to go with the first half win for Liverpool at minus 105. So anything yeah. else to add for this game? No, I think that's a fair shout. I mean, the, the other thing that will probably support your your angle there is that, that Liverpool, they scored so late against Newcastle that they'll still be buoyed by that. That's the last thing that they'll think about, you know, or the first thing that they'll have in their minds when they turn up at Everton is that they'll still be really buoyed and jubilant about the fact that they scored so late and finished on such a high in that game. So yeah, they'll, they'll definitely take that into, into this game. And I want to see more of Fabio Carvalho. I think every time I've seen him, he's made cameo appearances in most Premier League matches. He's flashed for me off the off the off the pitch, and um, yeah, I think he's a, he's a real diamond. I think he could be a really really big player for Liverpool this season. Uh, let's move on. Later on Saturday, another London derby for West Ham this weekend. They're traveling to Stamford Bridge to take on a Chelsea side that's in need of some kind of response after their 2-1 loss at Southampton. Although Raheem Sterling continues to look good for Chelsea, he did score uh, the goal in the losing effort. Um, Conte, Loftus-Cheek remain out for Chelsea. Shabala uh, and, and Reese James are questionable. Um, James was a real miss midweek against Southampton. And Connor Gallagher returns from suspension. Chelsea, defensively, they've conceded eight goals already without a clean sheet in their last four games. And game totals have gone over two and a half goals in six of the last seven games that they played, even though they've scored first in five out of six. For West Ham, they played to an evenly played draw. 1-1 with Spurs midweek. Uh, Agar continues to be out. Skamaka, Dawson, and Johnson are questionable for this one. Haven't lost in their last three games if they, after they scuffled out of the gate. In fact, well, you know, in fairness, they played Man City in their opening game of the season. Uh, they've gone less than two and a half goals in seven of nine, bucking the trend from last season when they were really an overside through and through. Uh, Chelsea head-to-head against West Ham, first to score in their last four to five. West Ham have conceded in five straight, and both sides had a win last season. A home win, in fact. Spurs winning at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and West Ham winning the reverse fixture. I'm still surprised by the line a little bit here. Chelsea, a favorite little bit of a considerable favorite here. Minus 184 for the win, plus 351 for the draw, plus 545 for the West Ham away win. The over-under for goals set at 2.75, minus 102 for the over, minus 108 for the under. Uh, what do you think here, Jake? Is Chelsea being overvalued? Is West Ham being undervalued? Or is this game being you know appropriately marketed? 
at the current price? Uh, Chelsea are too short, simply. Um, really? I be, yeah, I won't be touching them at, at that price at all. Uh, we mentioned at the start of the show, obviously, the uh, the issues that they've had. Uh, they, they, their attack is the main problem for me. I know defensively they look a lot more easy to, to a lot easier to create chances against. Um, but yeah, we're looking at their attack. They've, they've managed just 1.4 non-penalty expected goals uh, per game through their opening five. That's actually down 16% on last season, um, which was at 1.66. So their attack's actually on a downturn. And, and as I said previously, their strength of schedule, they had the fifth easy start in the entire league. So they should be putting up numbers that are much better than that. Um, and, and I think all of that comes down to Tuchel tinkering with the system, uh, tinkering with the eleven. You've seen players coming in and out, chopping and changing. Ziyech is getting a the game, then Pulisic is getting a the game, and uh, you just you just don't have that consistency and continuity on a game to game basis. And um, and ever since that Leeds game, something's just not sat right uh, with me. Anyway, for, for when it comes to Chelsea, they they were absolutely hammered by Leeds um, all over the pitch. They just couldn't deal with the press um, and couldn't create any good chances either. And, and Followed that up with a win against Leicester, but they were fortunate to get that win. Admittedly, they played with 10 men um, for, for over an entire match for, for that first half an hour of the game. Um, and, and that's not kind of what you expect to see from a team that almost want to be a certain for a top four finish. Um, so, yeah, they, they've got issues creating chances. And, and West Ham, you, you mentioned there that the the uh, they've gone under the goal, under two and a half goals in seven of the last nine. All five of their, their league games this season have gone unders. And, and you know, that... The latter two in particular have come thanks to a much improved defensive display. So in the in the opening three matches, they averaged two expected goals against the game, which is just a shambles defensively. Uh, and it really was back to basics, back to the drawing board. Moyes tightened them up, went to Aston Villa, limited them to just 0.4 XG and midweek limited Spurs to just 1.3 XG. So we're starting to see much better defensive displays through organisation, maybe a little bit less of a of a strong attacking approach um, and I can see them turning up to Chelsea and just trying to frustrate them because ultimately Chelsea are a, a poor attacking team at the moment who aren't causing teams too many issues um, and West Ham will be, be able to go there and really make it difficult for them um, they themselves have struggled in attack to be fair West Ham as well just 1.06 non-penalty expected goals um, so yeah I, I just thought this was going to be quite a low scoring affair uh, I don't see too many goals in this one I, I went the line's at under 2.75 I'm happy to drop it down a quarter and just take the under 2.5 flat um, which is around I think it's, it's a nice price at the moment at plus 115 uh, it's a bet as I said it's landed in all five of West Ham's games this season it actually landed in this fixture last season as well um, when West Ham at the back end of the season when West Ham were obviously in Europa League um, and prioritising that. So with a much better um, 11 on the field this time around, I think that they'll be able to frustrate Chelsea again. Uh, could be Wesley Fafana's debut for, for Chelsea as well. Paqueta for, for West Ham, uh, likely to make his debut on the weekend. I was thinking down a similar, going down a similar path here. I actually landed on, um, I actually landed on going against the spread uh, West Ham plus a goal at plus 105 um, because I do think it's going to be low, low goal scoring. Worst case scenario, Chelsea wins by a goal. You get your, you get your bet back. Um, I think it's worth it. This game has draw written all over it for me. I cannot back Chelsea the way that they're playing with some key players questionable out of the team. Uh, the, the back four looks like it can be got after 
And Fafana, I, I know you spent $70 million on a young player. He was part of a Leicester City back line last year that was all over the shop. Like they were one of the worst defensive groups week in, week out in all the Premier League. He may be a very good player, but I think it'll take some time to settle into this Chelsea side. And I don't think he and he alone is going to be able to kind of turn around some of their struggles. And maybe Thomas, maybe Thomas Tuchel ends up going back to a, a back three, a back five. That actually might make more sense once you bring Fafana in. And use your wingbacks, use Chilwell, Cucurella, um, Reese James in a position where, where they're better at. And that's for me, getting up the field and creating some real width in this team. It just hasn't looked right for Chelsea. So until I see otherwise, I can't back them. They, they have an expected goal differential of just 0. 0.1 plus 0.1 on the season. And I think that West Ham is showing gradual improvement. They've been solid in over the last few games. Not great, but solid enough to have me back them with the handicap of plus one in this game. Yep. Yeah. No, no problem with me there. Both taking the anti-Chelsea stance this weekend. So uh, yeah, watch them win 4-0. that kind of leads into our next game and i think this this might be my best bet of the week it's one of two there's a toss up here i think you'll like my second best bet uh but we'll stay in london spurs and fulham play this week and two informed sides like look spurs drew at west ham 1-1 they're even on xg uh, shots on target, chances created. Uh, Lucas Mora remains out. Uh, Bentinker, Romero, questionable for this weekend. By the way, Romero signing a new bumper deal to stay with Spurs long term. I think that's a good one. Solid defender, probably their best defender. And he's been out over the course of these early stages of the season as well. Spurs haven't lost in the last five, and they've won both games that they played at home so far this season. Fulham, impressive unexpected a 2-1 win over Brighton Mitrovic's fifth goal of the season already uh a 2.03 and expected goals for Brighton that game so Fulham rode their luck according to the numbers provided by InfoGoal Wilson and Solomon remain out Fulham although they've been picking up points haven't had a clean sheet in their last four games head data of course Fulham wasn't in the Premier League didn't play last season but Tottenham haven't lost a game against Fulham in their last seven. And Spurs have been the first to score in five of six and the first half winner in four of five. Um, it's one of those games where I th- I'm not sure that we've been able to see the best of Spurs since their first game of the season. Um, I think that this could be a game that they absolutely break out in. Spurs, uh, you know, shouldn't surprise anyone. Um, they're a favorite here, minus 200 for the win, plus 367 for the draw, plus 593 for the away win. And the over under for goals scored is set at 2.75, minus 112 for the over, plus 102 for the under. What do you make of this one, Jake? Yeah, I think we could be in for a bit of entertainment um, in this Me game. Too. I think, um, you know, it's amazing what happens, isn't it? You've got a player like Mitrovic, who everyone thinks is. You know, not right for this level. But if you come up to the Premier League and you actually play to his strengths, then you know he's gonna he's gonna look pretty good. And that's what Fulham do. You know, he is what he's really good at is attacking balls in the air. He's an absolute monster when it crosses come into the box. So Fulham, their main thing that they do is not rocket science. They get the ball out wide quickly, get it out of the feet, and whip the ball in. Um, and and ultimately that's that's led to him getting on the end of a lot of chance and scoring a lot of goals early on. And and 
I think that's going to cause some issues for Spurs this week because Fulham they might pivot, they might switch to a back a back five, but generally it's a back four, and um, and Spurs playing a back three with wing backs could give space to the the Fulham winger um, to get in behind the wing back and, and really cause some issues down the channel. So um, yeah, I think I think both teams are going to score in this one. I've got both teams to score at minus one twelve um, as as my best bet. You know, Spurs I think will win the game. I think they'll they'll just do enough to win the game. Uh, their home form and home process under Conte is just phenomenal. Really played sixteen times at home under Antonio Conte in the league. They've won twelve of those um, and averaged two point two expected goals for and zero point nine expected goals against per game. So that that's really impressive, and um, I, I think that that. If they get anywhere near that level, they'll absolutely win this game, no problem at all. Uh, but the way in which Fulham have, have gone about the business, I mean, they have, they've had a, a couple of penalties in there, but they've still generated 1.26 non-penalty expected goals, which is a, a decent figure for, for a team that many thought would be relegation fodder this season. So, um, yeah, I, I think that if they carry on the way they have been to start this season, they, 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 should survive. Um, you know, let's not forget they've already, they've already played Liverpool. They've already played um, Arsenal as well. So they've got two relatively tough games out of the way, uh, and they're in a very good position. But you know, the the. the they, I think Fulham will score, but as I've said, the, the fact that Arsenal and Liverpool both created over two expected goals against Fulham suggests that Spurs probably will have no issue creating chances against Fulham. Um, so yeah, I, I'd be looking at both teams to score as the as the main bet. I bet that I really like. And at a bigger price, both Tottenham to win and both teams to score um, is perhaps worth a dart as well. I love this bet. Spurs with the spread minus 1.25. Um it's a little bit of a look ahead game for Fulham. They play Chelsea next week and they've been riding hot. As I said, if Brighton had a true finisher like Harry Kane in their side, they wouldn't have lost that last game to Fulham. There was all kinds of pressure. The XG reflects that. And I think that Spurs have the weapons to be much more efficient in front of goal. They will score goals. I think Tim Ream is a fine defender, the American, but he's not on the level of some of these players that he's going to be playing against in this game. It's going to be the Son breakout party. Uh, it, it, we're just waiting for him to break out. I like him to score a goal as well. But Spurs at minus 1.25. Um, I love that play. And at plus 107, getting a little bit of extra juice. I'll play that all day here. Yeah, I, I wouldn't put anyone off that. Um, I've got the correct score as 3-1 to Spurs for yeah. this one. So that would that would cover the uh, the handicap you suggested there. Uh, and yeah, the as I said, the process and the record um, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium is fantastic, really. Uh, but they do need to wake up from that West Ham midweek game because that was the first real match. That I was disappointed with them. Um, you know, they, they, they'd been really good up to that point. I know Wolves looked threatening in that game at, uh, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. But Spurs were never really um, worried. Well, I was never really worried watching that about Spurs. But yeah. the West Ham game in midweek, that was the first time I'd watched them and thought, oh, they look a little bit toothless here, a little bit out of ideas. Um, uh, even against Chelsea, they were, they, you know, they he switched things up and they looked really threatening after he went to a, a flat four. Um, so yeah, they, they, it's a bit of a, a bit of a reaction game, I think, for Spurs. Um, if they if they can bounce back from that disappointment and. and you know, hand out a fairly good beat into Fulham, then it would be a, a case of, right, okay, this team's very serious. It might be time to give Richarlison his first start, just freshen things up. I can see that being a potential change for Antonio Conte this weekend. Yeah, he looked lively, uh, didn't he, when he came on? Um, yeah. And it, I'm not sure what's going on with Son. I know you mentioned his... Uh, that you fancy him to, to to come good this week, but yeah, he he doesn't look himself, does he, to start the season? And um, 
uh, you know, just from a, a general underlying number standpoint, he's not getting in the in the scoring positions that he was last season. So um, maybe a slight change in tactic or, or such that, that Conte is putting more emphasis on getting the ball to, to Kane in areas and playing higher up the pitch so there's less space for Son to run into. Um, maybe that's that's something to cut to look at. Or maybe he's just knackered because let's be honest, these players have played pretty much flat out for um, two years given that the, there's been the Euros, there's been the Copper Americas in between seasons, etc. Um, and now, you know, you've only got the World Cup in November. So, um, yeah, is he saving himself? I don't think he's that kind of player, but the closer we get to the World Cup, there will be players like that that, that reserve a little bit of energy. I, I also just think that Son does better in against teams that play a little bit higher up the field, a little bit more wide open. Like he's so good on the counterattack. And when you play away at West Ham, you play away at Chelsea, you play against Wolves. I mean, these are these are teams, and just in terms of the context, it doesn't play to his strengths. Fulham at home for me is a good context for Son to get off the mark, and I think it's a priority. So, if anyone Kulusevski can probably drop out, and maybe not Son this weekend. That's just the way I'm looking at it. Um, perhaps I'm wrong. And the more games he plays with Perisic, you know, down the left hand side, when he plays down the left, I think that that takes some time to mature as well. So the Spurs attack with those different wide players coming in. Um, it hasn't been as efficient as last season, but I think that this week is a good chance to get off the mark and really kickstart or re-kickstart their attack after scoring four goals on the opening day of the season against Southampton. Yeah, uh, just, um, big, just yeah, one point ahead. on that, because I, I know it's it's kind of... It's a general point rather than let to, towards Spurs, but we are obviously, you mentioned the Champions League is coming up next week. We are going to be having pretty much these Premier League teams going weekend, midweek, weekend, midweek, weekend, midweek, all the way up until the World Cup now. Um, so I, I I personally would be wary of getting involved in the player markets until the teams are announced because I think mm. there'll be a lot of rotation um, just purely because of the of the, the workload that's been put on these players and the amount of games that they have. So um, yeah, if, if you like Son, I would personally wait until the teams are announced. You might get a slightly lesser price just purely because people maybe are, uh, are expecting not to play or or whatever but um i, I think that's the safest option and um yeah I, again personally i i'm happy to stick to the the sort of more traditional markets just again with the five subs rule that's another minefield if you have son to score and uh and it gets to the 60th minute and you've got richarlison sat on the bench you, you know yeah. there's a chance that it might be him that's hooked or, or if three or four in a look at that time and you know the carving full them up They've got a midweek Champions League game. He's going to get rested. So, yeah, I, I find it a bit of a minefield at this early stage, particularly when, when Conte is still trying to figure out his best team. The biggest mismatch, at least on paper and according to the books this weekend, as 19th place, Aston Villa welcome the juggernaut that is Manchester City to Villa Park. A Villa coming off a 2-1 loss at Arsenal. But as Jake documented earlier, it really wasn't a 2-1 game. It could have been a much more lopsided scoreline. In, in fact, Louise scored from a corner from Aston Villa, and they just produced an XG of 0.31. Stevie G looks completely out of his depth and out of ideas at Villa Park at present time. Diego Carlos is out. Villa without a clean sheet in their last eight. Uh, they are really struggling. The first to concede in six of those eight games. A city are coming up that 6-0 route of Bournemouth. 9-1 to one in terms of shots on target. They were that dominant. Erling Holland. A hat trick with ease. He's got nine goals already on the season. And by the way, that other striker they picked up in the summer, Alvarez, he scored a brace as well. 
Laporte remains out. It looks like they're bringing in a kanji, the center back, as the rich get richer. That looks to be the one area that they need to maybe perhaps bring in another player with some injuries at that position. Ake, Phillips, and Grealish, all questionable for this weekend. Uh, They've gone over the two and a half goal total in five of their last five games. Head to head. I mean, this was the the final fixture of the season, wasn't it? City came back and won that game. Uh, Villa without a clean sheet against Man City in their last nine. City won their last nine. No losses in 13 against Aston Villa. And I've been the first to score in seven of their last nine games. Uh, City, like I said, they, they won both fixtures last season. They've, in fact, won three in a row against Aston Villa. But it's worthwhile to point out that they won by just a goal in each and one of those, each and every one of those last three games. Um, what do you make of this? Is there a play in this game that, catches your eye or might be worth touching here. Yeah, I was hugely surprised, pleasantly so, to see Man City minus one and a half uh, at plus 102. I was expecting it to be in the minus um, in terms of the odds. So that's my play. I just think the City team are absolutely rolling again. We have the uh, the potential for Pep Roulette, given that there's the uh, Champions League approaching. He might want to rest and rotate. But even so, not only is City absolutely purring, but Villa are absolute mess at the moment. Their their performances have been shocking defensively all over the place. Uh, we've already discussed the fact that Arsenal had their way with them pretty much for, for most of that game. Uh, shipped an average of 1.8 expected goals against per game and, and they've had a fairly kind schedule apart up to that Arsenal game. You know, they've got, you think they played Bournemouth, they played Aston Villa, they played Everton and West Ham. That's not the dip most, uh, sorry, I said Aston Villa. They are Aston Villa. They played uh, West Ham. Um, so yeah, it's not it's not the most difficult of schedule. Um, they probably would have been expecting to get at least six, seven points on the board from that opening four matches, um, given the money that's been spent and the actual quality in the squad. So yeah, massive issues, and and the main the main problem they've have as well as defence, I guess, is the is the attacking numbers are just shocking for for a team that boasts the likes of Coutinho and Buendia and Watkins and Ings. They've they've managed to create more than one expected goals worth of chances in just one of five matches this season. And that came against Everton at home. So um, massive issues at both ends for Villa. Gerrard's massively on the hot seat. And the last thing you need is City rolling into town. You know, a a team that uh, have scored 19 times in five matches. They've averaged 2.75 expected goals for per game. They've got a striker in Erling Haaland who, you know, is just perfect for Manchester City. They're, City are a chance creation machine and Haaland constantly gets in excellent scoring positions. So he literally is, City gets the byline, they pull it back and he knows where to be. Um, nine goals already, as you said, 6.66 expected goals. So he is the devil when it comes to the uh, the, the, the the Premier League defenders. He is the devil. Um, expected goals per 95 of 1.52 per which is just obscene it's, it's a figure we've never seen really um and if he if he sustains it then you're talking about him getting on the end of around 50 expected goals over the course of the season which is just ridiculous um you know it's like Lionel Messi Ronaldo stuck kind of production when they were both in the league um so yeah I don't see anything other than a really comfortable Manchester City win uh minus one and a half it, it does seem like an absolute gift at this price um at plus one of 102. I, I don't think we'll see that kind of price again. And I think it's slightly overestimating Villa. You know, maybe it's preying more on their pre-season expectations and, and where they're projected to finish pre-season rather than where they are actually right now. And, you know, it's a bet that landed when Villa played Crystal Palace. It's a bet that should have landed in midweek at the Emirates. Arsenal should have won that game more comfortably than 
comfortably than they did. And, and obviously City have had no issues um, with this bet. It's landed in all of their wins. So um, yeah, that's something I, I, I just, it's one of my, it's probably my favourite bet of the week, to be honest. And um, you know, if, if, Anywhere, anyone out there wants to try and get Haaland in there at some point, I, I would absolutely recommend it because, you know, as well as City creating loads of chances, which I've just discussed, um, Haaland is is basically, on average, being getting on the end of around 55% of City's total XG. So if you expect City to rack up 2.5 expected goals in this match, then the chances are Haaland's going to be on the end of about 1.65, 1.7 worth of XG which means that he's probably going to score two or three goals again. So um, another hat-trick incoming. Uh, I don't have much to add. That was the reason, by the way, I pointed out that all three of City's uh, last wins against Aston Villa were just by a goal. It's because it's time to buck, buck that trend. Yeah, plus 102, minus a goal and a half. I think Aston Villa are that bad. Like I, I just as 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 good as Manchester City is, and for me, head and heels above anyone else in the Premier League, Aston Villa are legitimately a bottom three, bottom four, bottom five side in the Premier League. Um, they just look absolutely lost. And that's not based on player quality. That's based on the way that this team plays. If you're holding a ticket out there that was Steven Gerrard first manager to be sacked, you are cursing out Scott Parker right now. The fact that he couldn't keep his mouth shut uh, and, you know, criticizing the board at Bournemouth. He was the first manager sacked. I mean, it wasn't based on the 9-0. It was because he spoke out. That was it. If not, this all had CVG written all over it. I'm not sure he's long for this job, even though they've invested in him. The only other play, you know, the goal total three minus 115. Um, that's something that would intrigue me as well. So one of those two plays for me, maybe even both, Jake. We'll see how I feel come this weekend. Yeah, just just very pro Man City and anti Villa at the moment, which I think yep. is fair given everything that we've said and, and we've seen. Because yeah, it's not going to be long if 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 performances, not even just the results, but performances carry on the way they are for Villa. Gerard will be out. Um, you know, there there are very few positives to call upon so far this season, and and the only real positive is a win over Everton. But yeah, that was kind of to be expected. I think they went off really short favourites for that game. So um, yeah, even the performance in that was not inspiring at all, was it? I think they, they allowed nearly two expe- over two expected goals to an Everton team who really struggled generally. So yeah, there's no positives whatsoever from my point of view. And, and ultimately, he's been given money to spend. They've, they've brought players in, they've backed him um, and they're not getting the, the results or the performances. So something's got to give. Uh, our final feature match of the weekend before we go rapid fire. And I cannot wait for this one from Old Trafford on <laughs> Sunday. It's the final match of the weekend. Manchester United face top of the table Arsenal. We're spinning the clock back to decades again? here. Top of the table Arsenal. Unbelievable. Used to. 15 points from five games. Uh, perhaps this is where the slide back to what Arsenal are accustomed to over the last two decades. Perhaps this is where it starts. Full disclosure, we're recording this podcast before United plays Leicester on Thursday. But a couple of things that we do know, Anthony Martial, he's listed as questionable for the weekend, but he has an Achilles issue. I'd be shocked if he played on this weekend. So you can just about rule him out. And this perhaps could signal the debut for Anthony, the 100 million euro purchase. Uh, the 22-year-old Brazilian joining Manchester United for the first time. It's probably better to focus on Arsenal here, a 2-1 win over Aston Villa. Although a midfield crisis to a certain degree, some significant injuries. Elneny, 
Party in the midfield. Odegaard suffering through uh, through injury as well. Nelson Zinchenko is also questionable for this game. They've won all five. Uh, they've gone over more than two and a half goals in six of seven. First to score in seven of eight. Head to head against Manchester United. Arsenal first to score in their last five. United have just one win against Arsenal in their last seven meetings. And these two sides both picked up a victory against one another last season. Um, look, it, it, it's difficult based on the context, not knowing what Manchester United will look like coming out of Leicester. But it is a game that where you may be able to find some value either side of the coin here. United plus 171 for a victory. The draw plus 265 and an Arsenal win. For a team that's top of the table, perfect record, plus 164. Uh, what do you make of this one based on, the, uh, based on the information and the numbers that we have at present time? Um, the main takeaway for me looking at the well, the absentees and the prices is that Arsenal shouldn't be favourites for this, which may seem controversial given that they are top of the table and, and Man United are, I guess, a still a bit of a basket case at the moment and they're getting they're slowly slowly getting there under Eric and Hart but I can't be having them as favourites in this game I, I, like, there's a few reasons the main one is the absentees I think Thomas Party is huge when he, whenever he's missing I'm reluctant to um, to get Arsenal on side you, you know you replace him with El Nenny, if he's fit, he's not out, he's not there. So you're looking at Lakonga. Um, ideally, Zinchenko would be fit and he could slot into midfield alongside Jacker and, and Tierney can fill in at left back. That's not the case either. Um, you've also got doubts around Ramsdale as well, I believe, who, who's got a little bit of a knock, which again is a huge issue. Um, and, and Odegaard, as you said. So that that for me is a is a massive negative for for Arsenal. I think it was, if it was a full complement Arsenal team, I probably would be looking at, at, at backing them because I think that they're uh, further along in their development this season than, than what United are. Um, the other the other major issue I have with them is A, their overall away record um, and underlying numbers and B, their away record against the better teams or the big six. So like last season in general, they ranked as the uh, ninth best away team based on expected goal difference. They averaged 1.22 expected goals for 1.61 expected goals against per game, which is a, a really, as it says, mid-table away process, ninth. Um, sixth best on expected points away from home, which again is is the reason why they missed out on the top four. Um, and, and they really, really struggled away to the big teams. Um, they lost four out of five. The only win came at, at Chelsea. They were hammered 5-0 by City. They were beat 4-0 by Liverpool, 3-0 by Spurs. Michael Carrick's Manchester United beat them 3-2 to Old Trafford last time around. Um, so, you know, you add all that up, the general away performances, the absentees, the fact that United now have a good manager in charge who, in my opinion, will be able to out-tactic Mikel Arteta if it comes to it. Um, and, you know, it's a United team who I think they are on the up, they are improving. Um, they are looking more like a settled team. You're going to introduce Casemiro, I think, for this game. I think he'll definitely come in and that's a massive upgrade because um, I've been saying it for a, a long time now that McFred just aren't good enough at this level. Um, not to play as a holding defensive midfielders anyway. I think the Casemiro will, is exactly what they need in that team. And we've seen it for Brazil where Casemiro and Fred play together. I think that's how you get the best out of Fred. Um, giving him a bit more license to get box to box as we saw to the back end of last season. Um, and, and then Anthony coming in just again, be, I'm hoping he starts because that, that would give my bet more chance of winning, which is Manchester United plus naught on the Asian handicap. Um, if he starts, and you've said Martial's a doubt, I'd be surprised if Ronaldo plays. I think Rashford will probably play down the middle. Uh, Sancho moved to the left, which should, should get the best out of him. 
Um, and Anthony on the right would provide much more balance um, to the overall forward line. And all of a sudden, that United team starts to look okay. It starts to look pretty good. Um, still weak points, obviously. The the right-back position, Dallow's been okay. I think they could probably improve on that. Um, but all in all, I think that this man, that Manchester United team, led by Ten Hag, playing the way that they are, will be able to do to get at the very least a draw in this game. Um, hence the, the, the draw no bet angle of the plus naught at our Asian handicap, uh, which means if United win the game, we get a winner at minus 101. If the game's draw, we get our money back. But yeah, I can't be having Arsenal this weekend. I think that they are being a little bit overestimated. Well, it's it's because of that central midfield position. And that's typically when United struggles the most, when they play a well-organized, a fit, um, a superior central midfield to them. I just don't think that will be the case for this game. We'll see where things end up after the Leicester game. But for me, same thing. The handicap, zero. It's a draw, no bet, essentially. Minus 101 with Manchester United. That is my play as well. I like when we see eye to eye. I like when we're on the same page. It gives me a boost of added confidence here, Jake. Uh, let's go rapid fire for these last five games. We're running a little bit long, but let's get straight to it. Nottingham Forest and Bournemouth, two recently promoted sides. Forest got smashed 6-0 uh, to Manchester City. Bournemouth played to a 0-0 draw with Wolves. Is there something that you like here? Bounce back for Bournemouth. They're playing at home. They haven't played poorly. Even their loss to Spurs, they didn't put play poorly in that 2-0 loss. Um, yeah, this is no bet for me. Um, I, I'm happy to take a watching brief. I think these two teams, they both had fairly difficult opening schedules. So it's tough to, to get a, a gauge as to what to expect from them in general. Um, yeah, they, they both got absolutely slapped in the last couple of weeks. City doing 6-0 at Forest, Bournemouth losing 9-0 at Anfield. Um, and, and these are actually the two worst defensive teams in the league so far this season based on expected goals. Uh, Forest allowing 2.4 per game, Bournemouth at two, 2.0 per game. Um, so that would hint at goals. But I, I think that these two will look at this given the starts that they've had and think that this is a must-win game or at the very least a must-not-lose game. Because if you, if Forest lose to Bournemouth all of a sudden, they're, they're in chaos at home in particular um, because they've spent all this money on players. They're trying to get little you know, trying to find a system and, and fit them in and, and try and get a little bit of momentum. So if they lost this game, I think that'd be a, um, a, a yeah, that, that would be a real blow. And, and Steve Cooper maybe would then be on the hot seat. Um, yeah. But for me, I don't really have any particular angle I like in this. So it'd be, it'd be a no bet. Yeah, no bet for me as well. I was intrigued. Plus 108, force victory, bounce back. Too many unknowns, too many new players, too much familiarity between these two sides. I'm completely staying away from this one. A Brentford and Leeds United, uh, two sides, both played to a 1-1 draw midweek. Brentford 1-1 with Palace, Everton 1-1, or sorry, Leeds 1-1 with Everton. Uh, Brentford, a favorite here, a win, a home win plays at one plus 120, and they've been a good better home side than they've been in a wayside. Perhaps that's the play in this one, Jake. Uh, yeah, I, I do quite like Leeds, though. Um, I think this is, this is a bad matchup for Brentford. Um, I think Leeds, have, they've shown enough to me to suggest that they can probably get something from the game. So uh, the price on Brentford didn't really appeal. I, I, I thought both teams would score. It's, it's a fairly short price. You're looking at minus 149, but I think that's a real runner. I, I think Brentford, the way in which they've approached games in particular... Created plenty of chances, but also looked very leaky at the back. Uh, their XG totals 1.8, expected goals 4, 1.4 against. Kind of highlights that point. 
generally they've been they've been seeing chances at either end and, and Leeds have been the same you know both teams to score um, has landed in a fair few of their matches so far this season um, yeah but if I was to have a bet in this one it would be taking both teams to score because I think that we will get quite a lot of attacking football this time this is my run where I just like home wins uh, Rodrigo went out with a shoulder Brentford's home form I think it's good context for them I think Leeds uh, were punching above a little bit above their weight so far this season Wolves another week another draw goalless against Bournemouth they play at home this has to be seen as a must win doesn't it they take on Southampton will it strike midnight will they turn into a pumpkin or is this Southampton team for real coming off a 2-1 win over Chelsea Wolves the favorite here it's suggesting that, you know, based on context, uh, Wolves need to come away with a full three points plus 127. What do you make of it? Uh, yeah, another difficult one to assess. I think we're both big fans of Southampton and the way in which they've looked so far this season. Um, and Catch a bottle. He's been great. He's been fantastic. And Alavia in midfield, he looks like a, an absolute Rolls Royce. It, to the point where I question why Man City have bought Calvin Phillips for 60 million when they got him just sort of chilling in the in the youth academy. Um, but yeah, the the massive issues for Wolves. And they, they were unfortunate in midweek to draw with Bournemouth. They created a lot of good chances in that occasion, which is the, actually the first time they won the XG battle this season. Uh, but at Molyneux, they've looked really weird um, would be the only term I could use because usually they are a very difficult team to beat at home but it's been the exact opposite they've actually been outplayed in both matches um, by by Fulham and Newcastle and, and lost the XG battle quite convincingly in both as well creating very little um, and, and conceding quite a few good chances so yeah Despite this being, as you said, a very winnable game for Wolves, they've shown little to suggest that they could get the that win here. And, and Southampton, they've been, well, the, the last two games in particular, I've been really impressed. Uh, Man United and Chelsea, they generated a combined three expected goals, four per game, and, and allowed a combined 2.95 expected goals against per game. That's really impressive. Against two of the big six to to basically post a, a, a zero expected goal difference is really impressive. Um, away from... They've been really poor travellers in general, but they obviously got a, an away win last time against Leicester, uh, deserved as well. So that stands them in good stead. I'm, I'm more than happy to to side with Southampton uh, and take them on the handicap plus 0.25, wow. which means if if the game ends in a draw, we get half a win. If Southampton win the game, uh, we get a, a nice full payout at minus 103. Interesting. Uh, all three games, I lean the home win. Half play on Brentford, half play on Wolves at plus 127. Based on context and context alone. This is where my home favorites play stop. Newcastle and Palace. I think you're going to like it. I think this is my bet of the week. Okay. Uh, Newcastle coming off a 2-1 loss to Liverpool. St. Maximin out through injury. Such an influential player. There's a number of injuries or potential injuries or issues in this Newcastle side. They return home to play Crystal Palace coming off a 1-1 draw with Brentford at Newcastle in this one. Um, they're a home favorite as well. Plus 104. This line doesn't look right for me. I'll just get it out of the way. My top play, it's uh, Crystal Palace with the spread uh, plus a half goal at minus 109. Uh, if it's a winner or a draw uh, for Palace, uh, you, you come away with with the win. Um, and I think that Palace are good enough to keep this close. I think there's some real value here. I know that you've been a fan of Crystal Palace. Uh, I, I, I watched the midweek, still a difficult side to beat. I, I'm not sure if they have enough to just con- completely roll over teams on a regular basis, but they're a difficult team to beat. Give me a win. Give me a potential draw here. Uh, that's my bet of the week. 
I yeah, I, I see where you're coming at um, with that angle. Particular, I'm a big Palace fan um, in terms of what they produced under Vieira. Newcastle at home are a, a very different proposition to away from home, though, and that that that's the only thing that puts me off siding with Crystal Palace. They they've played. Was it now 16 games under Eddie Howe um, at, at St James's Park? They've only lost two of those um, and won nine. So they've got a really good record. And the underlying numbers are positive as well 1.57 expected goals for, 1.39 against. So St James is a very tough place to go. Uh, and I'm not sold on Crystal Palace away from home. They're, they're a different animal uh, at Selhurst compared to away. Very negative expected goals process. Um, they've lost nine of the 21 games under Vieira. They've only won four away from home under Vieira. Um, so I, I'm swerving the the traditional money line market on this occasion, and I'm going back to both teams to score. I, th- I think that again, these two teams they, they've got aspirations to finish in the top half at the very least, and maybe push for seventh or eighth, wherever the Conference League position will end up. This is a, a must win game. Um, you know, you're playing a, almost a rival in that occasion, and, and particularly for Newcastle. I know they've got a few injuries. They've obviously got Isaac who can come in um, and, and cover for Callum Wilson while he's out. So, yeah, I think that this is going to be a very watchable, entertaining game. And both teams to score took, took well, that took my uh, my vote at minus 110. I think Palace have got enough, um, you know, the likes of Zahar. He looks unplayable at the moment. And uh, and Elise and Eze, they, they've got enough to, to create good chances at, at St. James and at least get on the score sheet. Understandable Palace away, but they're, they're two away games this season at Liverpool, draw and away to City. Um, as difficult it is playing at St. James's Park, uh, they've had the two most difficult away matches of the season played already. Uh, I think Palace, based on the Newcastle injuries, can come away with something here. No bet for me in this final fixture, simply put. Not sure what Leicester's going to look like. They travel to Brighton, who are coming off a loss to Fulham as well. Uh, very quickly, Jake, anything that stands out to you here in a game that's being played Sunday at minus 108 for a Brighton home win? Um Maybe it's not somewhere I want to go, not knowing as of right now what Leicester's going to look like this weekend. Yeah, I'm happy to go there. Uh, give Are me you? Brighton. Yeah, Brighton on the money line. I, I, I think that that price is fair. Leicester, um, I don't, however they look, they're not going to be very good. Their defence <laughs> has, been, um, has been atrocious for a long time now and a few signings isn't going to change that. Uh, 1.88 expected goals against per game is what they've conceded since the start of last season. Um, they've played 42 times. Um, obviously, we're recording this before they play Manchester United. They've played 42 times. Um, they've kept just seven clean sheets and they've conceded two or more goals in 23 of those 42 matches, which is a 55% rate, um, which is shocking. That's absolutely abysmal. Um, and, you know, Brighton, I've spoken about their inefficiencies when they're playing at home. Uh, they create the chances, don't seem to take them. But given the numbers the way in which Leicester are are trending at the moment Brighton will get chances and and I fancy them to at least stick one in the net and I think that might be enough good stuff Jake Um, looking forward to doing this all again next week a reminder to our viewers and our listeners next week the UCL betting blueprint returns with the Champions League back upon us Uh, you can read Premier League predictions articles weekly La Liga predictions articles all at pinnacle.com slash betting resources keep across Pinnacle's social media content for the final week of the US Open tennis it's been brilliant thus far plus Premier League and the return of the Champions League betting blueprint like I said you can find it all across and available all podcast platforms right now at Pinnacle on 
Twitter, at Pinnacle Sports on YouTube, at Gareth Wheeler, at Jake Oz, two Zs on Twitter as well. Oz are correct at the time of this recording. And a reminder as always, please gamble responsibly. Keep your wins rolling. Wheels down for this week's EPL Insights.